Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nivishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshadhari Vancha kalpa tarubhyascha kripa sindhubhya evacha patitanam bhavanebhyo vaishnavibhyo namonama He Krishna karuna sindhu dinabandho jagatpate gopesha gopika ganta Radha Kanta Namostate Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Haripri Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasadi Gauravakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Everyone together. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narottamam Deving Sarasvating Vyasam Tato Jayam Mudirayet Nashta Prayeshvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya 
Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhakti Bhavati Naishtiki. This morning we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 1, text number 19. I selected this verse uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that last year in the Sanyas Guru GBC Sangha that takes place in Mayapur every two years. I was asked to give the morning Bhagavatam class to the sannyasis, gurus, and GBCs. Imagine being put in that situation. <laughs> Well, I was put in that situation and uh, <clears throat> I did a lot of praying to Krishna <laughs> to speak something relevant. The, the theme uh, that I was asked to speak on in relation to the Bhagavatam, the more specific theme was reading Srila Prabhupada's books and encouraging devotees to read Srila Prabhupada's books because this uh, was one of the conclusions that was arrived at at the previous meeting of this uh, Sanyas Guru GBC Sangha two years before that uh, what is so much needed in our society What is so much needed <clears throat> is to encourage devotees to read the books. <clears throat> that it was found by some survey done that actually devotees are not reading the books so much. So that was the subject. Okay, uh, let's read the verse. Let's read the book. <laughs> Vayam tu na vitripyama Vayam tu na vitripyama Uttama shloka vikrame Uttama shloka vikrame Yachrinvatang vrasagnanam Yachinvatang Rasagnanang Svadu Svadu Pade Pade Svadu Svadu Pade Pade Vayam We To But Na Not Vitripyamaha shall be at rest. Uttama Shloka, the personality of Godhead, who is glorified by transcendental prayers. Vikrame, adventures, yet which Shindatam. By continuous hearing, rasa, humor, 
Yanam, those who are conversant with. Svadu, relishing. Svadu, palatable. Pade pade, at every step. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Chai. Translation, we never tire of hearing the transcendental pastimes of the personality of Godhead, who is glorified by hymns and prayers. Those who have developed a taste for transcendental relationships with him relish hearing of his pastimes at every moment. Purport, there is a there is a great difference between mundane stories, fiction or history, and the transcendental pastimes of the Lord. The histories of the whole universe contain references to the pastimes of the incarnations of the Lord. The Ramayana, the Mahabharata, and the Puranas are histories of bygone ages recorded in connection with the pastimes of the incarnations of the Lord and therefore remain fresh even after repeated readings. For example, Anyone may read Bhagavad Gita or the Srimad Bhagavatam repeatedly throughout his whole life and yet find in them new light of information. Mundane news is static, whereas transcendental news is, yeah, we want to say ecstatic. Prophet says dynamic, but dynamic and therefore ecstatic, I might want to say, inasmuch as the spirit is dynamic and matter is static. Those who have developed a taste for understanding the transcendental subject matter are never tired of hearing such narrations. One is quickly satiated by mundane activities, but no one is satiated by transcendental or devotional activities. Uttama Shloka indicates that literature which is not meant for indicates that literature which is not meant for nations. Mundane literature is in the mode of darkness or ignorance, whereas transcendental literature is quite different. Transcendental literature is above the mode of darkness and its light becomes more luminous with progressive reading and realization of the transcendental subject matter. The so-called liberated persons are never satisfied by the repetition of the words aham brahmasmi, such artificial uh, realization of Brahman becomes hackneyed. You know this word hackneyed? Hack, huh? Stale. Stale, yeah. <clears throat> uh, becomes hmm, hackneyed and so 
to relish real pleasure, they turn to the narrations of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Those who are not so fortunate turn to altruism and worldly philanthropy. This means the Mayavad philosophy is mundane, whereas the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam is transcendental. And so ends Srila Prabhupada's purport to this verse. Vayam tu navitripyama uttama shloka vikrame yatshrinvatam rasagnanam svadu svadu pade pade. We never tire of hearing the transcendental pastimes of the personality of Godhead, who is glorified by hymns and prayers, those who have developed a taste for transcendental relationships with him, relish hearing of his pastimes at every moment. Who is speaking this verse? Shonaka, uh, possibly represent, who is he representing if it's Shonaka individually? Yes, the sages of Naimisharanya. Uh, and and who are they speaking to, or, which is to say, uh, who are they listening from? Yes, Sutta, Sutta Goswami. And they're encouraging him to speak, to speak more. Uh, and they're assuring him that they will not be uh, fatigued by hearing. Because why? Because of the subject that he is speaking. Um, it seems that the sages of Naimisharanya were very good at hearing uh, Bhagavatam. Uh, we may be not so qualified. <laughs> um, I was thinking Maharaj Parikshit was hearing Bhagavatam for seven days and seven nights and he was not uh, eating anything and he was not sleeping and he was not getting tired. Sages of Naimisharanya, we don't hear that they were not eating uh, but they were listening to Bhagavatam for a lot longer, wasn't it? How long were they listening? It's not mentioned? Well, they were trying to do a thousand-year sacrifice, and it wasn't working. And so they turned their sacrifice uh, into uh, a Bhagavat Kata. Uh, so in any case, assume they're listening for a very long time. And not only that, how many of them were there? Huh? 88,000. 88, I think that would be an exaggeration, slight exaggeration. Isn't it mentioned 60,000? 60,000. It's somewhere it's mentioned 60,000. 88,000. Okay, you're right then, 88,000. So even more than I was thinking. So imagine now 88,000 uh, people sitting, uh, no microphone, no, no amplification. At least nothing that's reported. So that would be a long, that would be 
quite some hearing power. So these sages are listening from Sutta Goswami and they're showing their eagerness, showing their eagerness to hear. Svadu, Svadu, Pade, Pade, step by step they are relishing. And they're relishing uh, because it is rasa jnanam uh, of the, uh, which is rasa gya, those who know rasa, and then it's the genitive plural, jnanam, of those who know rasa, of those who relish. Now this is, this can be taken as a kind of an echo of another verse, which has already been uh, given in the Bhagavatam. Uh, this very same chapter, Nigama Kalpataror Galitang Palam Shukumukad Amrita Dravasam Yutam Pibata Bhagavatam Rasam Alayam Muhuraho Rasika Bhuvi Bhavuka, which is an invitation again to hear the Bhagavatam. Uh, which is described in this verse as being a rasa alayam. And we are invited to hear because we are invited to become uh, what in English is called a connoisseur, which is a word which is not an English word, it's a French word. And the French word means, in English, it comes to mean uh, a person who has fine taste, a connoisseur. We don't, you know, we don't drink wine, right? But there are connoisseurs of wine. There are whole wine-tasting events <laughs> where they... they, they they put just a few drops of the wine in their mouth and they and and it's kind of a contest to identify how old the wine is where it's where the grapes come from they become specialists they become very very highly sensitized to different kinds of wine what is this swami doing talking about wine in a bhagavatam class well, the point is, it's about relishing. Uh, and the word is rasa, rasa jnana. Uh, and they're referring to themselves, here these uh, sages are referring to themselves as being rasa as knowing rasa. Right? Okay, now, what I want to do uh, is discuss this idea. Yesterday, yesterday we were uh, talking, I, I introduced a kind of fancy English word. What was the word, anyone remember? Hermeneutics, right? Hermeneutics. What did hermeneutics mean? It's interpretation, but it's the whole, it's also the theory of interpretation. It's, it's discussing how it is that we go about making interpretation, right? 
Well, and I, I mentioned that Srila Prabhupada sometimes would say, there is no need of interpretation. <laughs> but then he would elaborate, he would explain what he means by that. In effect, what he was saying is there's no need of a certain kind of interpretation. Uh, but interpretation is going on as we read just to understand we are interpreting. Furthermore, the purports themselves, dare I say, are interpret they are interpreting the text. They are giving interpretation. They are elaborating. So for example, in today's uh, purport, Prabhupada is making a strong distinction. What is the distinction? He's making a distinction between mundane literature and what he's calling transcendental literature. Or more specifically, mundane stories, fiction, and uh, what he's calling history and transcendental pastimes of the Lord. At the end of the uh, purport, he makes another distinction. He makes a distinction between uh, devotional uh, reading, persons who are devotees and who relish uh, the pastimes of the Lord, and those who are uh, mayavadis, who subscribe to mayavada philosophy, and who end up also relishing uh, the transcendental pastimes of the Lord, <laughs> because the Lord, which leads into a whole nother subject. Um, and just as a little footnote, uh, I recall many, many years ago I visited, I was in Jagannath Puri, and I had heard that uh, one of the four um, uh, seats of uh, Shankara, Shankara Acharya is present in Puri. And I was curious, uh, what is this place? So I went there. And it was an afternoon, and it was a, kind of a quiet time of day, apparently. And I just walked through the gate and walked into the main courtyard. And... Uh, they had a temple which was sort of in the back corner of everything. It was not very prominent, but I went in. I must admit, I don't even remember who were the deities in this temple. Certainly Lord Shiva was there, various deities. And I came out after some time, and I walked by. There was one hall where I saw, oh, there's, there are many people in this hall. And there was a lecture going on. And I overheard the lecture. It was going on in Hindi, but I could understand the subject of the lecture is Damodar Lila. <laughs> so I was thinking, why are they talking about Damodar Lila in Shankara, Shankaracharya's Mat? <laughs> uh, but this was going on. Okay, the point I want to make, the, the, um, the general point about commentary. What I want to say is our tradition of uh, Shastra is a commentarial tradition. 
Well, you may say that's very obvious. <laughs> um, and here we have Srila Prabhupada's purport, uh, which is continuing that tradition. Okay, now here's what I want to do, something a little bit, um, little bit off of, you might say, the usual format of a lecture. What I want to do is invite you now to, to picture in your mind, uh, ideally we'd, we would all have paper and pen. We have devotee here who's ready to go with paper and pen. But this will not be absolutely required. If you like, maybe after the class to help you remember, you might want to do this. But for now, I think we'll, uh, it'll be simple enough that you, you can get the idea. So what we want to do in our minds is create uh, a yantra, a simple yantra. It's, uh, a, first of all, a square. And in this square... Uh, we have a circle, and the circle we will identify, uh, you can mentally label it as Srimad Bhagavata. And what we're going to have is four, let's say, commentarial sides uh, to the Srimad Bhagavata. At which point you're thinking, where is he going with this? Okay. Well, <clears throat> let us mentally begin with the bottom line of this square. And let us mentally write Mahabharata. Those of you who are taking notes, you can put Mahabharata there. I see where you're making your little square. There's not going to be enough space uh, for some other things, but that's okay. You can re redo it later. You can do it in another way. Okay, we're putting Mahabharata, and we're putting Mahabharata underneath because what I want to say is that the Bhagavatam, especially the first canto, but also we could point out passages in other cantos, in some respects function as a commentary to the Mahabharata. The Bhagavatam itself identifies itself as coming after the Mahabharata, right? But we can, we can say that the Bhagavatam is a commentary on the Mahabharata. What do I mean by that? Well, take the story in the first canto of Srila Vyasadeva's dissatisfaction. What is his dissatisfaction about? He is dissatisfied having compiled the Mahabharata and other literature. And why is he dissatisfied? Narada clarifies, he himself suspects, Narada confirms, he is dissatisfied because he has not exclusively focused on the glories of the Lord. So, what is he doing with the Bhagavatam? He's focusing on the glories of the Lord. Now, he's also 
as he's doing this, he's of course glorifying the devotees of the Lord. And so, for example, we have uh, again in the first canto, Bhishma Deva. Bhishma Deva is in chapter 9, he is offering prayers to the Lord as he is dying on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. So that scene is directly Mahabharata. And now the Bhagavatam is taking up that scene and in effect saying, what really happened? <laughs> we all know in Mahabharata that, that Bhishma speaks volumes uh, to the Pandavas, uh, the, the entire Shanti Parvan. Uh, the most extensive parvan of the Mahabharata, in which he is uh, speaking uh, on dharma, especially Varda and Ashrama dharma. In the Bhagavatam, that gets one or two verses in which it says, he spoke on so many subjects. <laughs> and then it's all condensed into one or two verses. Why? Because what's important for the Bhagavatam is what Bhishma says in glorification of addressing Lord Krishna. Right? And so, in effect, he's saying what's really important in all of that that happened in the Bhagavatam, in the Mahabharata, is these prayers. So, that's a kind of commentary. Another example. Um, Moving back to chapter 7, beginning of chapter 7, what is, what is the episode there? Ashvataman has been arrested and uh, Arjuna is deciding what to do with him. And on the one side there is Krishna telling Arjuna, kill him. And on the other side is Draupadi. What is Draupadi saying? Don't kill him. I don't want that his mother suffers in the same way I have suffered. Do we find that in the Mahabharata? Not to my knowledge. Draupadi is being shown to be in the Bhagavatam actually a devotee of Krishna because of her soft-heartedness. Her soft-heartedness demonstrates her qualification as a devotee of Krishna. That is the Bhagavatam's commentary on the Mahabharata. And we, could, we can go further down. Uh, I, I put Mahabharata and, and we can make a list going down and we would, of course, include the Ramayana, which gets a purport in the ninth canto. Of course, there are two chapters specifically summarizing the Ramayana, and Shukadev Goswami says to uh, Maharaj Parikshit, I won't elaborate on the Ramayana because you already know the story. Uh, but in fact, there are many episodes in the ninth canto which are described in uh, the Ramayana. So the the, the the Ramayana of the Mahab sorry, the Ramayana of the Bhagavatam is in the ninth canto. It's a commentary. By selecting certain aspects 
it is commenting, it is saying, this is what's especially important. We can go further back and we could talk about how the Upanishads are commented in the Bhagavatam. We can go further back to the, uh, uh, to the Vedic Samhitas and uh, in particular we could look at Rig Veda and in particular we could discuss uh, the story of Indra and Vritra. The story of Indra and Vritra appear several times in the Rig Veda, but it's always only mentioned very briefly, and the context in the Rig Veda is hymns, prayers to Indra, which are glorifying Indra. Oh, Indra, you are so glorious. You have killed Vritra. It's basically, that's the format. Shishi Radha Vrindam Bihari Ki Jai Goranga Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Well, what happens in the Bhagavatam in, what is it, the sixth canto, right? Uh, what happens is it's not so much Indra who is glorified, it's much more Vritra who is glorified. So in effect, the Bhagavatam is saying as a kind of commentary or purport to the Rig Veda, it's saying, actually, that demon, so-called demon, actually, he was a devotee. <laughs> and such a great devotee. He was eager to be killed. He actually wanted to be killed by Indra. <laughs> and Indra was hesitating and so on. We know that story. So that is a kind of commentary. Okay, well, this was one side of this four-sided yantra. What about the top side? Here I want to suggest we have, uh, for our Godiya Vaishnava tradition, we have commentaries on the Bhagavatam. Beginning... I would say, with Srila Rupa Goswami. Now, we could, we could adjust that. We could say, beginning with uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Shikshastakam. Because in one lecture, Srila Prabhupada says that Srila Rupa Goswami and the Go actually he says the Goswamis, the six Goswamis, are commenting on those uh, eight verses. All of their writings are commentaries on the Shikshastakam. Uh, but um, yes, we could put this in parentheses, but I would say Rupa Goswami, especially with his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and of course, what is he speaking about in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu? Uh, he begins, of course, with the process of Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti and he goes on from there to Raga Nuga Sadhana Bhakti and he for, uh, focuses on rasa. Again, Nigamakalpataro Galitang Palang Shukamukadamrita Dravasam Yutam Pipata Bhagavatam Rasam Alayam 
this Rasa Alaya, then Rupa Goswami elaborates on how particular verses are, uh, are, are, are showing, are demonstrating particular rasas. He's showing how the relationships among uh, Krishna and his devotees are examples or models of specific rasas. And so Rupa Goswami makes the Bhagavatam more relishable. He's churning the Bhagavatam, making it more relishable. Well then, going further, uh, we could add, I would say, above uh, Rupa Goswami, we could put Krishnadas Kaviraj. I put Krishnadas Kaviraj after Rupa Goswami because Krishnadas Kaviraj is many times in the Chaitanya Charitamrita quoting word for word Rupa Goswami. And he, he wrote the Chaitanya Charitamrita after uh, the Goswamis wrote their commentaries. However, we could say that the entire Chaitanya Charitamrita is a commentary on the Bhagavatam in which we have as uh, the essential story of the Chaitanya Charitamrita the life of the ideal reader of Srimad Bhagavatam, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who by the way, happens to be none other than the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna himself, in the mood of Krishna's devotee. It's so rich. It's, it's, it's like too much nectar. <laughs> it is so rich. Uh, what is happening? Uh, we're getting commentary to the commentary the Bhagavatam has commentary on uh, the Mahabharata, etc., etc., the Vedic literature, Nigama. Now we have a commentary on the commentary, uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And we can go further. We have then the later commentaries. We have Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, uh, and uh, we have Srila um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, his commentary, all of his writings are commentaries on all of this literature, including his some 200 songs that he wrote in Bengali language. And of course, then we have Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur, and finally, I don't want to say finally, but uh, for our society as a whole, let us put it that way, we have Srila Prabhupada our founder, Acharya, with his commentary. And his commentaries on the Bhagavatam refer uh, very frequently to other commentaries on the Bhagavatam. Right? Uh, he is sometimes condensing, sometimes he's quoting from these commentaries, sometimes uh, he is paraphrasing uh, and so on. All right, so are you still with me? Are you ready for something more to put on this uh, little yantra we're making? All right, here we go. 
Now I would say it's going to get, um, we say in English, the plot thickens. You know this expression? The plot, the story, it becomes more complicated, like a detective story. Who done it? You know, who did, it? who did the crime? Everyone thought, oh, it must be the butler. <laughs> but actually, anyway. So it gets, it gets complicated. Um, now I want to go to the right side of this yantra and consider ourselves. Each and every one of us with our own lives, our own experiences, our own reading. It is us who are reading whatever it is that we read. And as we read, we are bringing with us our own experience. That own experience includes what we have heard before from the acharyas, from the Bhagavatam, but it also includes our own unique experience. We are eternally individuals. That means we each have our own experience of Krishna and so on. So bringing our own experience to what we hear, what we read, means something is going on. There's going to be some sort of mixture going on. And that mixture is wanted because we want to, uh, we want to bring into our experience the Bhagavatam. Eventually we want our experience to be permeated with the words of Bhagavatam. We want our lives to be such that we begin to view everything through the eyes of Shastra, isn't it? Shastra Chakshusha, with the eyes of Shastra. But that doesn't mean that then we are only seeing Shastra. It means we are seeing through Shastra, but we are seeing the world. And we are seeing, um, yeah, we are having our own experience. And then with that combination, it is us who are asked to then go out and bring the Bhagavatam bring the whole tradition to others. Now, at this point, you may say, well, Srila Prabhupada said we should simply hear and repeat what we hear, right? No question of bringing in myself into this. Well, yes and no. <laughs> if you don't bring yourself into it, who is going to actually take you seriously? Who is going to listen to you? Just as with Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada would say also about himself, I, have, I am simply repeating what my Guru Maharaj has said. 
But is Śrīla Prabhupāda simply repeating what his Guru Maharaj said? I don't think so. I think he's enriching what he has heard from his Guru Maharaj with his own experience. And I would challenge you to find one statement of Śrīla Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur that Śrīla Prabhupāda repeats word for word. Because Prabhupada had his own language. He had his own uh, way of expressing Krishna consciousness. A wonderful way. When we read Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur, uh, many of us find it, his English very challenging. And we wonder, what is he saying? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> so, here my point is that we are called upon to do the same thing. Uh, in English uh, culture, English or American uh, writing culture, they speak of a person who wants to learn to write well is uh, expected not only to have good grammar and good spelling and so on, uh, an advanced writer, and this is true for any lang language, is expected to find his or her own voice. To find how to express from, from within what it is that one finds important to express. Okay, this is a big subject. I won't go into it further now because I have one more side of this uh, yantra. And now it's going to get really difficult, really controversial, maybe even a little bit shocking. Um, but rest assured, I'm going to be quoting Srila Prabhupada. So we have, uh, on the right side, we have ourselves with our own experience. What do you suppose are we going to put on the left side? Okay, I'm going to refer to a mm, discussion that Srila Prabhupada had in 1969 in Los Angeles. At the end excuse me, of a lecture. The lecture, Srila Prabhupada was speaking about the six Goswamis. He begins the lecture quoting one of the verses praising the six Goswamis. And at the end of the lecture, he invites questions. <clears throat> And a, an unidentified woman asks something which has, at least seemingly, nothing to do with the six Goswamis. <laughs> she says, Is there anyone similar to Joan of Arc in the Srimad Bhagavatam? Joan of Arc, you probably here in India, are not familiar with Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was a Christian uh, saint 
of, I don't know, 14th or 15th century France. Who cares about Joan of Arc, right? <laughs> but this woman is asking, is there anyone like, similar to Joan of Arc in the Srimad Bhagavatam? Okay, that's a, you know, a sincere question apparently and Prabhupada's response, hmm? <laughs> Woman, are you familiar with Joan of Arc? She was a saint, Prabhupada. Yes. And this way may remind us of Prabhupada's education at Scottish Church's College. He may very well have heard about Joan of Arc. Woman, is there any person in the Srimad Bhagavatam similar to her? Prabhupada, you want to see Joan of Arc in Srimad Bhagavatam? Why don't you take Joan of Arc of Srimad Bhagavatam? Any activities of devotees, that is Srimad Bhagavatam. What do you mean by Bhagavatam? Bhagavatam, Bhagavatam. Bhagav, this word comes from Bhagavan, Bhagavata, Bhagavat Shabda. The word is Bhagavata. And pertaining to Bhagavata is, here I think there's a transliteration fault, uh, mistake. I think it should be pertaining to Bhagavat, uh, but it's written Bhagavata. Pertaining to Bhagavat is Bhagavata. So, Bhagavata can be expanded to any unlimited. So, anything in relationship with God, that is Bhagavatam. So, if Joan of Arc, she was in relationship with God, she is also Bhagavatam. You should expand Bhagavatam in that way. Yes. Hare Krishna. <laughs> so here what I want to suggest is that on the left side of our yantra, we can explore the possibilities of making connections between Bhagavata and let's say f uh, for starters with other uh, religious literature of other traditions. So, of course, other religious traditions have very extensive literature. When we think of Christianity, we usually think of uh, their sort of foundational text, uh, which is usually called the Bible. The word Bible simply means books. It's a collection of books. And which books are included, that has changed over time. The history of the, there is a history of the Bible, uh, that over time different books have been included. Different sects of Christianity include and exclude different books, so it's, it's a little complicated. Um, we might take any other tradition and consider their literature. And pointing back now to the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we find a conversation you might call it a sort of an interfaith dialogue 
uh, going on between uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Kazi of uh, Navadvip. And there's another, a similar one that takes place uh, with the Patan soldiers, with the, um, the uh, what's his name, the peer. Um, they're discussing the Quran and the content of the Quran and so on. So these works, Srila Prabhupada would also um, uh, refer to them because they are dealing with God because they have as their goal development of love of God, therefore they can be uh, considered at least in relation to Bhagavatam where the term Bhagavatam is now used in an expanded sense. And here we get back to, the, to this topic of uh, hermeneutics. With hermeneutics we're thinking about how do we understand the meaning, sometimes, of a single word? Generally, when we think of Bhagavatam, we understand something which has, uh, a text which has a specific number of verses. We always hear the number 18,000, right? The Bhagavatam has 18,000 verses. As it turns out, don't mind, but the Bhagavatam in its present form, as we have it with the commentaries of our acharyas, is between 14 and 15,000 verses. Does this mean some of the Bhagavatam has gone lost? There's no, perhaps no way of knowing, but the Bhagavatam in its present form is uh, 14,000, I think 200 and something verses. All right, so that's the Bhagavatam, we may say. But here, Prabhupada is suggesting we may also think of the Bhagavatam as something expanded beyond. And it is expanded beyond in the fact that there is commentary. When we re refer to Srila Prabhupada's edition of the Bhagavatam, we mean uh, the verses plus Prabhupada's commentary. Isn't it? So all of this, what I'm suggesting here is that uh, in understanding Shastra, uh, there is a, a very uh, rich tradition that we are part of. And the Bhagavatam, the Bhagavatam itself is a summary of Vedic literature. I always like to give the example of 10th Canto, the first um, the first several chapters describing uh, Krishna in Vrindavan killing the demons. How many demons does Krishna and Balaram do Krishna and Balaram kill in the first uh, in the tenth canto? Anyone know? More or less? It's about twenty or twenty-two uh, demons. Uh, how many demons does Krishna kill according to Jiva Goswami uh, in, maybe it's in Krishna Sandarbha, I'm not sure. Uh, somewhere, Jiva Goswami says that Krishna is killing at least one demon per day. Uh, sometimes one in the morning before lunch uh, to get a good appetite for, for lunch. 
and sometimes again in the afternoon. How many years does Krishna live in Vrindavan? Hmm? Sometimes it's said 11. 11 years, so many weeks, so many days. Yeah. If we say 11 years, 11 years times 365, uh, yeah, how many demons? A lot of demons. So the Bhagavatam must be a summary. It means also a lot of demons were killed, something over 3,000. <laughs> a lot of blood was flowing in Vrindavan. Vrindavan. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Anyway, the point is, Bhagavatam, as we have it, is a summary. It's very much a summary. And yet, each one of the, let us say, 18,000 verses, Srila Prabhupada invites us, he says, you could take any one verse of the Bhagavatam and discuss that one verse for one month, as Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur did, uh, of uh, the very first verse of the Bhagavatam. So in other words, the possibilities of expansion, just as the pastimes of the Lord's, uh, uh, the possibility of expansion is unlimited. Okay, I'll stop there. I've uh, suggested one way, this is just one way, of thinking of the Bhagavatam in relation to our, uh, the Vedic literature, broadly speaking, the commentarial tradition uh, that follows the Bhagavatam and our acharyas, uh, beginning with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then, where do we fit into the picture, especially uh, in relation to preaching Krishna consciousness and the Bhagavatam? And finally, how might other uh, scriptures of other religious traditions relate. How might we uh, make connections with other uh, traditions? Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Hare Krishna. Comments, questions, complaints, corrections. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you for such a wonderful enlightening on this topic of Srimad Bhagavatam. I just want to know, we say that uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam is the ripened fruit of Vedic literature. Yes. Vedas talk about uh, the demigod worship and different topics. So, mm -hmm. like we have uh, different demigod worship and different, so how that is also can be fit in this. Like we included Ramayana and Mahabharata, but these sections of uh, the Vedas, like worshipping demigods, or many other uh, fields of knowledge is uh, hmm. deep. Yeah. The, 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 the specific discussion of, Bhag of uh, demigods in first canto uh, is, you can say, a summary, as the Bhagavatam is in general, saying you can worship this demigod to get this result and this demigod to get this result and so on. And it goes on for several verses. And how does that section conclude? Huh? 
Kama, Sarva Kama, Va Moksha Kama, Udaradi, then Tivrena Bhakti Yogena, Yayedam Purushamparam. So, it's a kind of, it's a certain style of argumentation. There's probably a technical term for it. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's sort of inviting. It's, in, it's inviting you, so to say, into a, a very nice trap. It's saying, ah, you want to worship this demigod? Very good. You can do it, and you will get this reward, and you will get that reward, and you will get this reward, and you will get that reward. And we're all, oh, wonderful. I will uh, get all these benefits. And then comes the hammer. <laughs> now that we're all together, wham, <laughs> we get the, the hammer. Tivrena bhakti yogena. By tivra bhakti, by very intense bhakti, uh, uh, the the Supreme Lord will be trans, uh, satisfied, uh, and and again it's it's completely inclusive. Akama, sarva kama, uh, moksha kama, whatever your kama is, whatever your desire is, that will be satisfied by one purpose, by one uh, one worship, by worshiping the Lord. So that uh, is, you can say, the, the way the Bhagavatam is, that's one way the Bhagavatam is, is being inclusive. The Bhagavatam is extremely um, inclusive. The Bhagavad Gita is extremely inclusive. Uh, people take it as sectarian. We say, no, it's very it's very inclusive. Where the Bhagavatam sets boundaries, uh, it's interesting. Take, for example, this, the whole subject of worship of Shiva. Whenever Lord Shiva appears in the Bhagavatam, he's glorified like anything. He is almost as good as Krishna. <laughs> he's... He's practically speaking non-different from Krishna. The problem is with his worshippers. <laughs> and that is indicated in uh, the story of uh, Daksha, the Daksha Yajna. Uh, there are similar approaches. Um, Jainism is also mentioned in the Bhagavatam, where Rishabhdev is glorified as uh, an avatar of Vishnu. And then it goes on to say, but those who are claiming to be followers of, of, uh, of Rishabhdev, no, uh, they are imposters. <laughs> So, again, there's an inclusiveness there. Lord Buddha is also included as Lord, as, uh, as an incarnation, as an avatar. Christians, by the way, don't like when we use the word incarnation. Um, they, they have put a claim that there is only one incarnation. 
So you can use the word avatar, that's all right, but incarnation, no. It's an English word. Anyway, that's another subject. Uh, yeah, so, is that okay? Yes, Matiji. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you so much for your uh, wonderful interpretation of uh, the verse. I like the way you pictorially, uh, you know, created this yantra for us to put things into perspective. Hmm. Um, I have a question, Maharaj, related to the uh, purport. Um, I just wanted to, I'm always intrigued by the Mayavadi concept that, and now in the purport, Prabhupada is saying that they... Um, they get they they end up turning to uh, the narrations mm. of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and then you gave that example. So um, that just made me remember uh, something I was wondering before. Also, that now that they're listening to the uh, narrations of the Bhagavatam, then what is what happens to them after that? I mean, they are they have their way of thinking, but yeah. now they're listening, reading these. Mm. Uh, nectarian pastimes of Lord Krishna, then what actually happens to them after that? I think is my question. The fact that they are attracted to Krishna suggests that they are purified. Uh, they may still hold on to, uh, let us say, various degrees of nirviseshavada. Uh, I, I have met uh, persons who, who say um, that the Bhagavata is, is really, it's, it's really about non-dualism. And there are reasons for arguing that in the very beginning, um, I think it's verse 11 of this chapter. No, no, uh, next chapter. Uh, Varanti tattvavidas tattvam yajjnanam advayam. That word advayam. What does that mean? Non-dualism. Yeah. So they kind of jump on that word. And there are several verses in the Bhagavatam where uh, one can sort of latch on to. The, the, the emphasis on non-duality and say, uh-huh, yes, it's all about non-duality. It's, it's, it's about non-duality. Uh, and they, they will, and the Bhagavatam allows that. <laughs> that verse, Vedanti Tat Tat Favidas, uh, is, is, again, it's inclusive. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavan Iti. There are three uh, ways of understanding Advaya Jnana. Of course, Jiva Goswami then goes on to say, well, the fact that the, the, the fact that it's a list and that the, the last member of the list is Bhagavan shows us that of these three, Bhagavan is the important one, the most important. Uh, so... <laughs> In any case, they, they're certainly purified. And one can, uh, 
hope for the best, that they will uh, one day finally say, ah, this Mayavada uh, understanding is, as we say in English, for the birds. <laughs> So we encourage everyone, yes, keep reading, keep reading, um, keep hearing. I remember also um, many years ago I was at uh, Kumbh Mela and uh, at the ISKCON uh, Pandal there were dioramas and one devotee who had been involved in uh, the organization of the ISKCON arrangements, the exhibits and so on, and had experience from previous years uh, of Kumbh Melas, said, it's actually interesting that more and more of these other groups are now imitating us. And they are now more and more having dioramas and more and more talking about Krishna. <laughs> so some kind of, I would say, positive influence is rubbing off. But having said that, uh, that tendency toward mayavada is, can be very strong. Uh, and it can be also infectious, and therefore... Um, we are warned uh, of the danger of that influence. Yeah. Good. Okay. So we can stop there. Thank you all very much. Have a wonderful day today in Krishna service. Srila Prabhupada Ki. Gaur Premanande.